Thank you, elders and deacons, for helping us. Thank you for participating. And I want to insist that it's not about a religious act here. It's something way deeper, more important than that. It's the reality of where we stand today through what the Lord Jesus did. Free, forgiven, and the list goes on and on. Anyway, we want to do something different today. We have, uh, it's not that I don't like to preach, I like to preach, I like to talk too much, but I li- also like to uh, give opportunities to others to, uh, to do so. And we have our, uh, our good friend, Mats Peterson. He has something in his heart he wanted to share, so he's going to share the first 15 minutes, and I'm going to share the other 15 minutes, and if everything runs smooth, we should be done here by uh, 12.05. So help us God, eh? All right. Matt, please come on up here. And I'm going to just continue right after him. Thank you. I'll start my watch. All right. It's not working. Not yet. Can you hear me now? Oh, that might help. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can hear myself. All right. So I wanted to give you a brief update. As uh, as you you know, I had. Um, I had a stroke and I had a, a heart surgery uh, earlier this year uh, in March and May. And uh, I've recovered very well, but I thought I'd give you this update that um, uh, I haven't, you know, I, my license was suspended. I wasn't able to drive. My license has been reinstated as of uh, this past Friday. So I'm driving now. And uh, I'm back at work three days a week. I'm doing very well. So I want to thank everyone for all of their prayers. Um, I, um, I know that they have made a big difference in my recovery. So thank you, everyone. What, I, what was on my heart to share today was uh, that I've had a desire in my heart for, for some time. And that is that I want to bear fruit. I want to bear fruit for the Lord. I want to help people with the truth. Um, help them make a difference in their lives. And I want, to, I want our church to do the same. And um, I've been talking to the Lord about that. And we know that he says, and and so what I wanted to talk about is how prayer figures into that. Um, We know that Jesus said that if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. You will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything in this regard. 
It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And we, we know from, uh, you know, another example is uh, uh, Psalm 1. We have a picture of a tree planted by streams of water, which is the water of the living word. And it's soaking up that living word, and it's producing life in that tree. The leaves are green. The fruit is rich and abundant. And uh, it's the same message, really. And um, so I want to talk, I want to say some things about how that relates to prayer. We were created in God's image. God said in, uh, in, in, you know, in the beginning, he said in Genesis chapter 1, he says that, let us make man in our image. And, um, and, so, he, and, and so we are made in his image. It's a relational image because God is relational. He said, let us make man. And so our the type of relationship that's in the Godhead, he, he made us with that image. He wants us to relate to him in the same way that the persons of the Godhead relate to each other. In a free, open, loving, uh, transparent way. And, um, and that's what prayer is all about. I wrote that prayer is living in relationship with God and communing and communicating with, in that relationship with him. Part of the... Um, sometimes it can be difficult to relate to God because we think differently and uh, we feel differently about things, and we don't want to do the same things that he wants to do. And so part of what happens, part of what you have to do when you pray, um, sometimes, or maybe a lot, is you have to work things through. You, and we are, we are told in the New Testament that we, you know, uh, God wants to, us to conform to his likeness um, by, uh, by changing our mind. And when we, when we pray through things, issues, and we've, get, we've been given lots of issues and problems to, to deal with, and also promises, uh, we... Um, we can start to, and when we deal with God about those things, we can start to we can start to learn how God thinks about them. And of course, He's given us His Word and He's given us His Holy Spirit to help teach us. But it's in prayer, really. I believe that this happens, that the change happens. And we can learn how God feels about things. 
and we can learn what God wills about things and what we should be willing the same. The Jesus is an example here because, you know, when he was in the garden, even though he never sinned, so he wasn't, you know, he wasn't as um, disconnected in his mind from God as, as we have, uh, have been because of sin. Um, he knew what God wanted, but he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. He had to really struggle to align his will with the will of his father. It was a real struggle. And we know that it was such a struggle that he sweated blood. He wrestled in prayer until his will was aligned with God and then he was ready to complete the assignment that he had been given. So in this way, in praying through things, it facilitates our change into the image of God in real terms. So prayer is very important. And of course, there are other, there are other personal uh, things in prayer. I mean, sometimes you just want to spend time with God in his presence and enjoy him. Um, so there's, there's that as well. But the important point that I want to make is that change happens when you pray, if you really pray, and you pray things through. And you become the person that God wants you to be, that you were created to be. You're involved in that process. Prayer is part of that process. The second reason is that we were given an assignment when God created us, he created us with a purpose, and he gave us an assignment. And we cannot fulfill that assignment without God's involvement. We must talk to God about our assignment. And we need to, because he's involved in that assignment, we cannot fulfill that assignment without God's involvement. Uh, we were ne- never intended intended to. You know, there are individual assignments. There are family assignments. There are church assignments. And um, we know of individuals in, in the Bible who were given individual assignments. There's, you know, Abraham and Moses and Noah. They did different things. And... Moses, uh, for example, and, and, they, and, they, and they all required God's supernatural power and empowerment to fulfill their assignment. And they did it through praying. They were connected with God through the performance and completion of their assignment. And they couldn't have done it without being connected with God and working together with him. Moses, when he started delivering the Israelites, they came to the Red Sea. They were pursued from behind, and they had nowhere to go in front. 
They were stuck. And so these are the kind of situations that happen to us as we pursue God's assignment for us. And there seems to be no way out. But God said to Moses, pray. I'm par- I guess I'm paraphrasing. And that's what Moses did. And God opened the sea, took the nation through, and delivered them and fulfilled his assignment. So this is another reason why it's so important for us to pray. To become the people we were meant to be. To, you know, enjoy that fellowship with God that we were intended for. To fulfill our assignment. Now you may say, well, I can do all that in my closet at home. But I'm going to say that, no, you cannot. You can do a lot at home, but you can't do it all at home. We don't just exist in relationship with God, we exist in relationship with each other. And that means we need to pray together. in order to fulfill, in, in, in order to, to become a body together, in order to fulfill communal assignments, a church assignment, or a family assignment that we've been given. What's the, what's the assignment of the family? Well, there may be more than one, but one of them for sure is to bring forth godly offspring. That's an assignment for the family. And we hear a lot of talk about husband and wives praying together. But why do they need to do that? I'm going to suggest that it's because God is holy. And that may be, seem like a funny thing to say at this point. But part of holiness is being integrated. God is integrated. He's very integrated in every way and there's different ways one can there's there's different ways of integration there's um, being consistent integrated in what you think and that you say what you think and that you do what you say so that you don't think one thing and say another and do something else god isn't like that and we are not to be any different and we are not to be any different in our families. If you have the husband saying one thing and the, and the wife saying something else, you're not integrated. And it's a problem in, it's a problem in uh, showing forth the character and nature of God. It's an un, to that degree, it's an unholy family. Because... God is holy, and he wants holy families. So they must be integrated. And it's the same with the church. God wants a church 
to be holy. He tells us that very straightforward. He's working to develop a holy, to make a holy church. And he, he says that we are to be holy. We can't be holy if we don't pray together. There's, we can't become integrated if we don't pray together. There's more to becoming integrated than praying. You have to talk about things. You have to pray yourself, individually, to work things through if there's differences. But you also need to pray together. And it's a process of working it out at, in, you know, at, at, at different levels. But praying together, because God is a party. God is a party to coming together. It's not just you and me. It's you and me and God. We have to all agree. We have to all become integrated together. And praying together is a part of that. So my basic point is that if we're going to become a holy church, holy families, holy persons, we must pray. We must pray, and we must be consciously aware that it is required. It is not an option if we want to bear fruit, if we want to be the people God wants us to be, if we want to fulfill our assignments and work together. We must pray together. Change occurs during real prayer. And without real prayer, it is highly unlikely that you will have real change. That's basically my point. And so, yeah, okay, so I've got one minute left. So uh, that, that's basically the points I wanted to make. We have, a, we have different prayer meetings. And so um, we have a prayer meeting on Wednesday morning. We have a prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. I would encourage everyone to consider carefully the consequences of praying, what, you know, the desires of your heart. Do you want what God wants? The consequences of not praying are there's going to you know, probably not be a lot of fruit in your life. If you, the consequences of praying is are you can start to work with God, and he says there will be fruit. So it's a very important part. And we want to become a fruit-bearing church, don't we? I know we all want that. I think we all want that. If we don't pray together, or if we want that, to bring it into reality, part of what we must do is pray together. There's a change that happens in prayer. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Matt. We gotta pray together. I like that. We had a wonderful uh, conversation yesterday at a wonderful family, and we did talk about many things regarding the church. It was wonderful, um, and I think we kind of came to the conclusion that uh, a church is indeed different from a a regular business because God 
needs to be involved, the way Matthew was, Matt was saying. Yeah, we, gotta, we have our own, own things that we can use, the talents and the principles. And we talked about the principles of leadership, how this all fit together that is necessary to, to uh, conduct a church in a way that people are blessed and, and that we move forward. But the Lord, and we know that, that the Holy Spirit needs to be directly involved because it is a spiritual kingdom. It is not an earthly kingdom. We live on earth, but we are not off here. We are from a different world, and we are going to go back to a completely different world, a spiritual Yes, we're going to have a resurrected body. Praise the Lord. We will, uh, we will uh, personally, I believe, we will even recognize each other. But not with all the shrinks and gray hair or the, the, the... Everybody will be beautiful and perfect. So God needs to be involved. And that's why... It is so very important for us to connect with him through prayer, through prayer in groups, because that brings the unity as to where are we wanting to go in this process. But we also need to come before the Lord. And I'm only going to make one point. We won't be able to do the whole thing here today, so there's going to be something left for next Sunday yet. At least the one point here. What are, and the question I'm trying to answer here is basically... What are the conditions to reach the throne of heaven and truly, and truly connect with God? Well, for us to reach the throne of God, first of all, we need to be coming in a state of faithfulness. That means somehow we need to believe that when we come, actually there will be, there will be an answer. God will actually stop doing what he's doing and listen to our prayers and get some answers ready and send them down here to earth and bring the solution to our, to our situation. We've got to believe that. So we come, try to connect with God in a state of faithfulness. We've got to believe. Because if we come and we do not believe, guess what? In fact, the Bible does say very clearly, what well, if, you, if you come with an unbelief, with a state of unbelief, well, I'm going to try, I tried before, but it doesn't really work, so I'm going to try, try it anyway, but, you know, I don't really believe. And the Bible is so clear, and don't expect to receive anything from God when you come in this situation. I don't really believe. I'll give it a shot. Well, not really. It says in Psalm 51, verse 6, and this is important. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. God wants and expects the faithfulness of his people. Even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. It says in Mark chapter 11, verses 24 to 25, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe 
that you have received it. Believe that you have received it. It is already granted at the very moment of prayer, according to this text, if you come in belief. The text says here, it can't lie, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Basically, believe that's already there. And the text says, and it will be yours. Not me saying, don't blame me. You blame the Lord here. He is the one that said it. Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So when you approach, when you connect with God, this is the, this is the form, this is the approach. Believe it is done. And when you stand praying, yes, conditions, conditions. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. It's a condition. Forgive them. You come before the altar of the Lord, and there is something between you and your brother, you, you release him right there. You release him. Okay, God, he's just stepped on me, you know, but guess what? I'm going to forgive him. Even if he insists and continue on doing the same thing that he is doing to you, you release forgiveness in spite of that, in spite of him asking you to forgive him. It's not about you asking or him to come and, and, and apologize or ask you to for, forgive him. No. It is you in advance, ahead of time, before he does even change his mind. You already come there before the Lord. Lord, that guy just did something very stupid. He stole my car. He's not giving it back to me. And he sold it in Paraguay. Or whatever. That's what they do in Brazil, you know. They take your card and take it and sell it in Paraguay. And there was one guy, he was so upset with that, and he knew my car for sure went to Paraguay. He had a second key. He went to Paraguay, all the way from Curitiba, Brazil. He went all the way down to Paraguay. It's about almost a thousand clicks. And he saw his car parked on the street. This is my car. He grabbed the key. He had a second key, put it in the car, and he went back with it. He drove it back. He stole it back from the, from the robber. We think we, we, think we have rights. We think we, we, we... But somehow, sometimes we have to just say, Hey, Lord, I just forgive him, and I'm good. So if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you and your sins. Will forgive your sins. We also read in James chapter 1, 5 to 8. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But condition here, when you approach, when you try to connect with God, is a condition. But when you ask, you must believe. And no doubt. Don't doubt. Because you're actually, you are talking to the majesty of heaven. 
You're talking to the creator of the universe. So when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And that person, not me, you know, again, not me saying, all right, this is the word. And the word says, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. It's clear as it can be. So, if you doubt, I would almost recommend, you know, don't even pray. You know why? Because you, don't, you will not even get an answer. This is, might be harsh for us. It should not, however, um, push us back and not praying. We should be praying. Because you could even pray and ask the Lord, Lord, help my unbelief. Because that's what the disciples themselves did. Help my unbelief. I doubt that you're going to do anything, but I'm going to pray anyway. Lord, please help my unbelief. Because deep, deep down, I know you can do this. And not just that. Lord, I know you will do this. Now then, the Lord sees faith. He didn't go anywhere else to ask. He came to me. He came in humbleness. He came in weakness. He came in the lack of faith. But he came still deep, deep down, believing the Lord will honor your prayer. And a situation, whatever you're asking for, will actually change. Something new will take place. But he does call those people that kind of come and don't believe. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do. So we come... When we come to connect with God, we come in a state of faithfulness. But we also come in a state of holiness. Put to that, this is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 5. Put to that, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And this, is a, this is a crazy thing. We've got to kill whatever is from your earthly nature. And we all have an earthly nature, and when it comes to the forefront, it is ugly. But it says, put to that, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. What are the sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because it's really what it is. Greed becomes idolatry. Becomes something bigger than God. Because this is what I really want. And I want it. And I want it bad. And I'm going to go after it. And if I don't. I, I have, if I have to step on top of people to get it. I will. Because I need that. See. We should be focusing our walk towards God. God. And all of a sudden we have a bigger God. That's the greed. That's the thing that I want. Don't get me wrong. Is it wrong to want things? No. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, the Lord always through the entire history of the people of Israel in the desert, it was about Him giving things to the people. Blessing them with the food. Blessing them with good weather. Blessing them with shoes that would never... never uh, uh, we're out. Blessing them with the manna in the desert. Blessing them with quail. Like, but 
meat and what not. It was not about him not wanting to give things to, him, to, to the people. He likes to give things. But it's for us and this age in which we live, our main focus should be on the Lord. So we come in a state of holiness. We let go of all the stuff of the flesh. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and, do, and, and to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness, integrity, sanctification. So we come in a state of uh, faithfulness, we come in a state of holiness, we come in a state of willingness. We want to. First, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. See, we cannot push. We cannot come to, to the Lord. Well, you, you sit here now. You, you, no, you want to be with the Lord. It's about us wanting to be close to him. It's because it's so good. I heard a message this, the other day on the car. I forgot the name of the preacher. He said he has such a hunger for the word. And he says he has 19 steps to get from the first floor to his house to the second floor. He says, you know, i eager to sit down with my God and read the scripture. So that, he said one day he did two steps at a time to get there faster. Because he was so eager to be there with the Lord. And to, and to meditate. And to, and to discover new things. And to read scripture. And to be there with the Lord. That's what he wanted. That's... So we come in a state of willingness. We come with a desire to actually, Lord, I, you know, I got lots of things to do. We're all busy, busy, busy. And we all are. I know, time is up. Oh, we're all busy. Am I willing to be with him? To go in my prayer room or whatever that is? And I just ask, as I listened to that message there, I said, oh, Lord, just give me more hunger. Because I can't go by in a day without reading Scripture. What? You are the pastor. You should be reading scripture all the time. I know. I know I should. Shame on me. I think it, I don't pass a day without reading something on the scripture, but sometimes my time with the Lord is it's a, it's a shame in terms of shortness. <laughs> so we come in a state of willingness. And also, yes, we come in a state of humbleness. Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and they pray and they seek my face and they turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will. Not before, not after. Then I will. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. 
Basically, I'm open up heavens. Hey, I see your heart. I see you have come before me. You see you have humbled yourself. You know what? I'm going to pay attention to what your prayer is all about. I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to heal your land. I'm going to give what you need. That's the Lord. He is willing to do that. And he wants to do that. He is not on the business of holding things back. He is a very rich God. He is willing to give gifts to people as much as they possibly can endure. It's not about him holding back the blessing. He is wanting to bless. He wants you to prosper in all areas in your life. That's the truth. Sometimes, maybe he's a little scared to give us certain things because we grab the gift and then we run away, forget about him. So we come in a state of humbleness. Four, we come in a state of joyfulness. We come in a state of joyfulness. We come in the eagerness. James 1, 2 to 3. Consider it pure joy, my brother and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, I know it's time. I will wrap it up. When you come, and I know every one of us here have trouble. Issues, situations. And those things that we have, they bring us down. And we come lumping before the Lord sometimes. Not just that. We come complaining. You see, Lord, what's happening to me? You didn't do a thing, did you? This is what's happening to me. Look what they did to me. Look what they told me. Look what the, look what the bank told me. Look how they have been... Failed me. And that's the wrong way of approaching the Lord. He knows already that. And he knows the situation of your heart. But you should and I should. You should come. Lord, no matter what has happened to me. I want to praise you. I'm rejoicing. Because my name is in the book of life. It can't be taken out. It's there. Hallelujah for what you did on the cross. We come to the Lord in a state of joyfulness. And yes, are we free to share our concerns? Yes, we are. He will take it. He knows it already. But yes, he wants us to utter it, to speak about it. But deep, deep down, we got to come in a state of already having forgiven God. What? Has God done anything wrong? He has nothing, has done nothing wrong. But we sometimes complain because he didn't do what he's supposed to do. And that's how you come to him. Lord, look what you did. You didn't do it. Oh, you, look what you did not do. No. He wants us to be with him. And in the back of, his, of our mind, we should be coming, no matter what the circumstances are, praise the Lord for what you did. I praise you, Lord. So as our, the group comes up here, you want to sing a final song? I hope you have one. And if you don't, you make one up. <laughs>